Welcome to Holistic Human Performance Podcast. My name is Jenna Bradshaw, where we talk all things holistic health, wellness, spirituality, fitness, meditation, energetics, and so much more to help you become the healthiest version of yourself. Let's dive in. This is not medical advice. This is simply to help you on your journey through health, fitness, and wellness. I hope this helps. You can complement this with anything that you are doing currently in your life. Enjoy. Hey guys, Jenna here, and I am so excited to announce that the Holistic Human Performance Virtual Wellness Center is officially launched. Yep, that's right. We've officially launched. And this is like having a holistic health and energy coach in your back pocket. If you need a five-minute reset, okay, great. What do we have? You need breath work? Okay, great. You need a little bit of mobility flow, nutrition coaching? Great. You can access all of these on-demand videos and self-paced digital courses for a five-day free trial. That's right. I'm giving this to you guys for a five-day free trial so you can try it out see if you like it, see if it works for you, and see if it actually is conducive to your lifestyle and it helps you to create change. It is literally like having me in your back pocket. So again, I'm giving you this for a five-day free trial. Head on over to holistichumanperformance.co and get your free trial today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Holistic Human Performance Podcast. I am your host, Jenna Bradshaw, and today we have an amazing guest with us. I am so excited. I've been waiting for this podcast episode for so long to just sit down and have a conversation with Dr. Brianna Diorio. And I first listened to her work on the Strength Coach Podcast with Anthony Renna and Mike Boyle. We love, love, love them. And I just said to myself, I must have a conversation with this woman. (laughs) So she is a doctor of integrative medicine. She is a holistic lifestyle coach, podcaster. She writes as well. uh, And I'm just so thrilled to have a conversation with her. So welcome. Thanks for having me on. I am really excited. We were joking before any homie of Anthony's is a homie of mine. So I am honored and excited to be on the podcast. Yay. All right. So why don't you just introduce yourself to the listeners, what you do and kind of just explain, there's always a story. How did you even get into this line of work? I always love learning about people's histories and how they got to where they are. Cause it's so interesting. So my, all of the alphabet soup behind my name, my credentials, as you said, I have a PhD in integrative medicine. I also have my master's uh, of science in clinical nutrition. So I'm also a nutritionist. I am a family herbalist as well, a holistic lifestyle coach and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. So what that means basically is that I love school. I love learning. I love seeing all the different ways that people can heal and what, you know, meeting people kind of where they are in their health journey. But Uh, Funny enough, I took a little bit of a backwards route to getting to where I am. And I'll talk a little bit about what I do in the industry and professionally as well. Um, I originally went to school to be a Spanish teacher. So I thought I I know I thought I wanted to coach field hockey and 
uh, like teach at the high school that I went to. And, you know, I thought that was going to be the journey for me. And then I was actually uh, undergraduate. I also am a NASM certified personal trainer. I haven't upkept that certification. So that's those days are behind me. CrossFit, all the things. I had all those certifications as well. But um, at that time, that was before wearing athletic clothes all day was cool, you know? So <laughs> at that time, my thought process was like, wow, I could hang out in yoga pants. I can get paid. I can carry around my water. No one thinks I'm weird because I want to eat a hard boiled snack for an egg. These are my people. This is amazing. So I was like, I think I'm going to do this for a living. And then I just really always loved the science side of things. And I was the person in high school reading books about glycemic index. And I was picking up the magazines from vitamin shop, the four pillars of health. Like I was just always really into that. I mm. played sports my whole life. My parents were pretty healthy. So it was just something I just like loved. And I had asked my boss at the time, uh, Mike Duffy, shout out the man who like changed my whole career trajectory. I was a personal trainer there actually. And I was like, do you have any books that you think I should read or, you know, practitioners I should follow? And he had turned me on to Paul Check before Paul Check was cool. He had turned me on to Dr. Mercola before Dr. Mercola was, you know, on the scene and all this kind of stuff. And so I had decided that I wanted to go to graduate school and get my master's. And that was kind of really the inception of how it all started. And then from there, I had, you know, gotten another, a bunch of different other certifications and it kind of just evolved. And at that time, when I finished my master's and I was finishing up my master's, I was interning, which is where I met Anthony Renna. Um, I was interning in White Plains. And then I had also started my private practice at the same time. So I've had my private practice for, you know, almost 10 years now, which is wild. And then um, fast forward. So I've kind of always had that side of my, you know, business and life, but I've also been in the nutraceutical dietary supplement industry for over a decade. So I started off very early in my career at vitamin shop headquarters, which is where I was doing a lot of content, working with regulator, regulatory, learning about claim substantiation, things that you can and cannot say, which is the really boring side of the supplement industry that a lot of people don't realize. But yeah, um, it was really helpful in my career. And we could definitely talk about what people are saying and marketing puffery and, and how there's, you know, so much miscommunication in, in that industry. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, also was on the private label side of things in the supplement industry. So actually, you know, seeing how raw materials are procured, what goes into actually making a supplement, good manufacturing practices, all of these sort of things um, on the education research side of things. So it's cool because I get to have sort of both sides of it where I get to have clinical practice, which I love. I think you learn a lot about, uh, you know, what's going on in the health field and individual people, right? Because I always joke and say that for somebody who loves school, school actually really just teaches you how to learn. A lot of what you have to learn is kind of on your own yeah. or keeping up with research or the evolving research. And then being on the you know research education side in the nutraceutical worlds, I really love as well. And so that's kind of how I've gotten here many moons later. I love it. <laughs> wow. That, I mean, it's cool to see all the breadcrumbs that kind of just led you to this point of all the learning that you've done. And you're so right. School just makes you like a better learner, but you don't actually learn what you need until like after and you're thrown into the real world. Totally. So I want to break down. Let's start off because I get this question a lot. Well, what's the difference between a holistic doctor, a naturopathic doctor, a functional integrative doctor? Can we just break that down for the listeners so they have like a clear understanding of what to look for. 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think a lot of the times what we're seeing nowadays is everybody wants to have these really interesting titles that don't really mean anything mm. um, or there's not actually a certification or, you know, credentials that have to go behind it. So first things first, a MD, right? Like a medical doctor and a naturopathic doctor. Those are going to be, I kind of call those, and I'm sure all the other, I'm going to offend every other PhD, including myself, but you know, those are kind of the top tier, right? Like I always joke, I say, if a plane goes down, I can't help you. We could talk about your feelings and what essential oil is going to help, but I can't write you a script, right? Like I poke fun at it, but right. So the MDs and the NDs, they're going, they're doing their clinicals. They have to do rounds or taking boards. That's I, I think kind of a whole different, um, whole different beast, if you will. Mm -hmm. Then you have your PhDs, right? So people like myself, and that's, you know, you're still studying, you're a doctor, doctorate of XYZ, whatever you're studying. So um, like something, someone like me, I, you know, I can't write prescriptions, medications and, and things like that, but I've spent a lot of time in school. You know, you focus on, you know, one kind of area, you have a specialty. Usually, um, you have to defend your thesis and your presentation, you have to do research. Uh, so, you know, you're usually highly specialized in one area or one field or something like that. And then I think from there, there's a lot of other certifications, which is what I think a lot of people get. So hmm. a holistic doctor is not necessarily a certification. That is, I would say, a specialty or a subtype, subtype of what you specialize in. So you could be just like you would go to, um, you know, a podiatrist for your foot or you would go see, you know, a like gynecologist or yeah. Right. Right. So that's kind of like your specialty. So somebody who calls themselves a holistic doctor, I would kind of put myself in that camp, right? That's just what I specialize in. So people who come to me generally are going to be the kind of people who are looking for maybe an alternative therapy, or they've tried Western medicine and it's just really not for them anymore, or they're kind of frustrated or whatever it is. So mm. those are, uh, like I, not that it's not a real title, but I think it's more an identifier of what they specialize in and kind of the type of healing modalities that they're going to focus on and the kind of therapies that they're generally going to focus on. Just like mm. you could see an Ayurvedic practitioner or a Chinese medicine practitioner. Um, you could see somebody who specializes in, maybe they just specialize in immunotherapy or maybe they just specialize in endocrinology, right? So it's kind of, I think, more of, of specializations. Mm, okay. That's a, that's a good way to explain it. Thank you. Yeah. Now let's dive into supplements because I get a lot of questions on this and the supplement industry is the wild west. <laughs> so let's just kind of, let's just go over the basics. Let's just, because you have a lot of experience in that and like the back end of what you see. So why don't we just break down and go over kind of, I guess, what to look for in supplements, um, where to start maybe, um, and kind of go over those things. That's a great question. Um, because there is a lot of what I call marketing puffery in the supplement mm. industry. And now more than ever, because of, I think, social media, you yeah. can make something look really pretty and use a lot of cool buzzwords and um, make the packaging look amazing and all of that. And then what's inside of the bottle or what they're saying is inside of the bottle really isn't in there. The claims that they're making aren't substantiated, meaning that they're just saying something and there's not the research to actually back it up at the efficacious dose that you need to actually work in your body on a system level or what have you. So 
There's a lot of that going on. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there's not good companies and there are regulators for what can kind of qualify a good company. So I know a lot of people talk about uh, supplements aren't regulated by the FDA and whatnot. And yes, that's true, but that's not necessarily um, what's going to determine if your supplement is a good quality or not. Mm. I always tell people you're only as good as your lab, right? So where your supplement is actually being made. And a lot of people would be surprised to know that there's only a handful of manufacturers, number one, who's actually making all of the supplements everywhere. So the private label side of things and the raw material supplier side of thing is actually much more where the wild west of the supplement world, I would say, lives. Because mm-hmm. what happens with these raw material raw material suppliers is there could be a lot of issues going on with sourcing of the raw materials, how they're extracting the materials, especially if it's something like a botanical or an herb, right? Like what part of the plant they're using, um, when it's actually getting delivered to the manufacturing facility, how they're manufacturing it. So there's a lot going on actually before it even gets to the quote lab or the manufacturing facility that matters. So with that being said, you're not going to always know who the manufacturer is for your supplement company, because they want you to think that they're the ones who are making it and XYZ formulated, and that's usually not the case, right? So what you can do is if there's a supplement brand that you really like is they should on some level have some transparency. Um, They should potentially be talking about having good manufacturing practices, right? So that makes sure that the way in which they're making a supplement is safe and you're not going to find, you know, like dirt and things like that, right? Like when they're cleaning up in between making batches, there's a lot of other things as well. So a certificate of analysis, this is not something that is required for companies to put out to the public, right? And so what that tells you is we call it a spec sheet. So what's in your supplement is actually when they're testing it and when they're testing lots and batches, if you're saying there's, you know, 200 milligrams of CoQ10 in your bottle, then there should be actual CoQ10 when you're testing it out. And there's a bunch of different fancy, crazy machines that look at stability testing and how long it takes to break down. Um, If it's like probiotics, they have to be put in like a chamber to make sure that they're actually staying alive. Um, There's things like, uh, you know, like high vis to again, make sure that the supplement is actually what it is and not being what I would call like quote laced with something else. This happens because some raw materials are more expensive than others. So that's all the stuff. So if you could try and get a certificate of analysis, that's not going to always happen. You can see if there's any third party manufacturing. So good manufacturing practices um, is going to be important. And that next kind of leads you to what the company is actually promoting for a supplement or a product, right? Mm. So when they are saying on the bottle, like 200 milligrams, like I said, of vitamin C or something like that. What we have found over the years is that there's actually some of these private companies. So there's some certain organizations that will go and they will pull uh, supplements like off of a shelf and they'll go and test those in an independent lab. And this is where we hear these stories that come out where, oh, all supplements are killing you and they're not good and whatever, right? So because what they have, that's kind of their job is to go and make sure that yeah. what's in the la- what's on the label is what's inside of the bottle. So with that as well, you want to make sure that you're also being label literate on your end. So if a company is saying boost vitamins, vi- boost immune system health, right? And they're making all these crazy claims, turn the label around and what's actually in there. Is it a proprietary blend of 90,000 different ingredients, which again, proprietary blends aren't always a bad thing, but if they're making all these claims, what is 
actually in my formulation, right? So how much of the ingredient am I actually getting? Are there standardized constituents in there that's going to give me more of an active component of the plant? How many of these do I actually need to take? So is it actually two a day? Is it one a day, right? Looking at other ingredients that they may use. So fillers, excipients, things like that um, are going to all also be important for what's actually in your label. And then what a lot of companies are starting to do now is actually do clinical testing. So this is something that's not required by the dietary supplement industry, but is really interesting because they can actually test either finished formulas and say, we ran a double blind placebo control study for six months using this versus whatever else. And we found X, Y, Z endpoints, right? So actually sometimes certain companies will have their, if they've done clinical studies or research, or if they're, you know, doing peer reviewed things, they'll also have that on their website. So checking out their website, I think, is also a good jumping off point too to dig a little bit deeper. Mm, wow. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's a lot, but that's so helpful. Basically, as a consumer, you have to be literate and label literate and you have to do your research because there are a lot of um, research studies out there that will claim like vitamin E is actually going to increase your risk for cancer and things like that. But it really has to do with like the synthetic vitamin E and not like the whole vitamin E and the complex within it. Um, are there any, like, what are your top brands when it comes to supplements? I knew you were going to ask that. I was just trying to think <laughs> of that in my head. Uh, I, I always tell people, I actually heard this from one of my coworkers. She was like, I don't buy brands. I buy products, right? So it yeah. kind of depends what you're shopping for. So like herbs, for example, I'm an herb snob because I studied under a master herbalist for three years. Like I saw how these things are extracted. I, you know, did my herbal certification. Like, so there's only certain brands that I actually, you know, really trust. Yeah. I think off the top of my head, I think I have some tinctures in my office. Yeah, because um, it's there's there, like you said, there's so many things that have like fillers and binders and heavy metals that they put into these products. Um, I know for me, example, for an example, I'll list like a couple that like I take. So you, you let me know. Okay. Um, I really like standard process. Yes. They're a good brand. Okay. You can tell me if they're not too. I don't no, care. no. I'm just laughing because standard process did a really good job very early on with getting into the chiropractic community. And so mm. like, I know there, there are certain brands that are just kind of, um, they've been kind of, you know, grandfathered in if you will, but yes, they are a good company. Yes. Uh, designs for health. I do yes. enjoy them. We used to, one um, of the, the company that I used to work for private labeled all of their manufactured okay. all their stuff. Yes. Okay. Good, good, good to know. Yes. <laughs> um, what was the other? Okay. So I don't know if you've heard of them, but, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the actual name. It's an herbalist. Um, it'll come to me okay. anyways. Herb farm. Um, Southwest botanicals. Southwest Botanicals, they're good. I like I like them. Southwest Botanicals. Um, oh my gosh. Anima Mundi, that's what it's called. I feel like I have heard of that before. I feel like yeah. if I saw the label, I would know more so. Yeah, it's like an eye. It's like the third eye. Like Is she braced in Brooklyn? Yes. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Intelligent, products. really connects mind-body stuff. Her formulations are out of this world. Yeah, they're phenomenal. I absolutely love that's like a brand you wouldn't necessarily see on Google or Amazon. So if you live in Brooklyn and the apothecary is 
10 out of 10. It's so oh. beautiful. Oh my gosh. I want to like it's my dream of live in there. I know, yeah. same. It's so <laughs> nice. Yeah. She has amazing formulations. So that's what it is too, is what I tell people too, is like, because there's so much of this marketing puffery, like, so people will say PMS tincture or PMS supplement. And I'm like, okay, great. I understand that you're trying to do structure function. So people understand what they're shopping for because it is overwhelming and it is daunting. But what yeah. you need to really do is look at what are the ingredients that I'm actually looking for. And sometimes I've actually seen this, like I've had formulas for people where it was like a men's formula, let's say, but the ingredients in there were really, really good. So I applied it to a woman's protocol that I was working with and somebody, right? So it's not always about what the label says, it's about what the ingredients are in that formulation, at what doses are they in that formulation as well. And again, like I said before, if there's standardized potency and things like that, or um, if they're using maybe like a, a patented, you know, raw material ingredient that has, you know, research and has been vetted. Those are things that I think are going to be a little bit more than the brand necessarily, because sometimes some of these smaller brands, they can't pay for, you know, all the cool stuff or the marketing or whatever. And there's some, you know, really good, like on even Amazon or Etsy, you know, I found some really cool herbal tincture mixtures on Etsy from people who like, they're Same. not going to be able to pay for shelf space in vitamin shop. Right. So it's really about understanding what is it that I'm trying to do? What is it that I need more of? And like, what are the ingredients or the nutraceuticals that are going to support that physiology in my body? Mm, love that. Now for my own selfish knowing, I am all about apothecary lifestyle and I love herbalism. So can you kind of just talk about the, like, how did you even like get into that? Because you started off in like the vitamin sector, which is honestly very different from mm -hmm. herbalism. So mm -hmm. how did you even kind of like shift gears into that? And how was that process? So the school that, I mean, I was always into holistic kind of health. It was just something that I really like loved. And the school that I went to, University of Bridgeport for my master's is a naturopathic school. So mm. we were learning about all of that kind of stuff in school anyway. And then all of my acupuncturists will laugh at this. Anytime I would be getting acupuncture because I love the, you know, mind body connection. I love Chinese medicine. I would ask questions about, oh, this needle's hurting here. What does this mean? What is this? organ affinity for what's an herb that's good for this right so like just being really curious and having questions because of who i am as a person and then when i worked for one of the private label companies that i worked for um it was he was a master herbalist so i i just learned a lot from him and that's what made me go and get my herbal certification um th you know wh while i was you know finishing up my phd as well so it was kind of just a, a combination of both and then you know it's funny with herbalism you could talk to five different herbalists and they'll have five different answers for if you if you're more of an eclectic if you follow western herbalism if you follow more chinese herbalism right like so it's kind of like having a different dialect if you let's say everybody was living in spain but you were in the south of spain you're going to have a different dialect than living in catalonia right mm. so um i think it depends you have to spend time with different herbs and plants uh you have to i think also understand not just what the herb does in the body but who it's for so if anybody listens to my podcast ever i always talk about that like this is the michael moore who's a famous herbalist who has now passed talks a lot about this idea of like okay what kind of person are you so mm. we see this happen with a lot like ashwagandha actually right if you're a very pitta uh young person you got a lot of fire already in you you're very heated up 
ashwagandha is not always the herb for you, right? So you have to look at herbal energetics. You have to look at the taste profile. All of those things are really important for meeting you where you are and your constitutional type. Because if you're already very fiery and have a lot of heat in the body or dampness, you don't want to always add more of that if an herb is really, let's say, warming or stimulating. Um, we see this a lot with like the eleuthero herbs as well. If you're already, people think that they're tired and they need more energy. Well, no, they might actually just need to get back down to a baseline where their nervous system feels like they can chill out and stop running on adrenaline and cortisol. And they're actually tired for a different reason. So understanding herbal energetics is really important. Um, and understanding again, not just what the herb does physiologically, but who is this for? And like, what am I looking to get out of this herb? Because some just because an herb has antioxidant properties or anti-inflammatory properties doesn't mean that's the herb for you. Mm, love that. Oh my gosh, this is so helpful. And also very much speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love herbalism. I just love, I mean, it's so amazing because a lot of the times too, like some of the herbs you actually look at like hawthorn berry, right? Like it yeah. looks like a, this red little heart and it has really amazing cardiovascular benefits or passion flower is one of my favorite herbs. And it's got these, you know, wound up tendrils. And if you're a very wound up type A person, passion flower can be very good for that kind of person. If you have like a lot of wound up thoughts. So it's just cool how nature you know, kind of does these things. There are no mistakes in nature. Correct. So cool. Do you have an herb that you kind of really have an affinity for that's like had a calling to you personally? Yeah, actually, I guess, well, I don't know if you would, I guess it would be considered an herb, but dandelion. I love dandelion root. It's just, and I think because also with my health history as a two-time cancer survivor, like I'm very much into, okay, how can we cleanse out the liver? What's the energy behind the liver? And I, my body does really, really well with, and I'm also Italian. Like we love dandelion root. We do. Bitters in general, bitter herbs are so amazing. Yes. And the, anything that's going to support the lymphatic system we love. We love. Yes. Um, I also love, love, love lavender. Yes. I love lavender. I grow my own lavender. I make my own essential oils. Like it, it makes me so just like, it gives me into like this dream state almost of just like, ah, like I'm calm. I feel love good. That. You know, what's um, amazing too about herbalism. I think for some people it feels, uh, scary or they're like, I don't know. I'm what are you a witch? Like just putting (laughs) shit together in your kitchen. And I'm like, no, the original herbalism is actually like, if you've ever had tea at nighttime and you've gotten some loose leaf tea, you too can be an herbalist is what I always tell people. Like you don't have to be making a mad scientist and doing tinctures. Like I even tell people like, listen, if there's a couple herbs that you really love that work really well for you, like let's say you're, yeah, a liver kind of person, you might want to mix like dandelion and burdock together and chamomile, right? And literally do like one tincture from a brand that already has tinctures made. And then you can make your own that way. So it doesn't always have to be like you're extracting and macerating the herbs yourself and it's sitting for 12 weeks and it's in a percolator. Like you don't have to do that. You can literally make salves yourself. You can make tea yourself. You can make, you know, things for your face or like just mixing other tinctures and just have fun with it. And I think that's what allows people to really learn a lot about it, which is why I love herbalism because it's really not that scary and it's much more accessible than people would think where supplements, I actually feel like there is a lot more, I don't want to say shadiness around it, but like, there's a lot more to know. You have to really dig. And so herbalism, like you could just kind of go straight to the source. 
Absolutely. I like, and over the years I've found myself like, yes, I do take some supplements like standard supplements after I do like testing and see like, okay, what are my levels at? What am I missing? Um, but I've just leaned so much into herbalism and I have found like at this point in my life, I've never felt better. Like I've never had more life force energy, like surging through my body when like besides just focusing on herbalism and just made by nature. (laughs) You know what I love about herbalism too, is that it actually forces you to listen to your body because people ask me all the time. They're like, you must take so many supplements. And I'm like, no, I really don't. I said, I wake up. I actually did like a cheeky, my brother filmed this cheeky video of me like a few weeks ago of like a day in the life. And I, in my video, I said, I'm like, this is today I'm feeling a little tired. So I'm taking a little bit of extra Yaluthro, right? So Mm. it's like, it really forces you as well to sort of hone in on your own body and be like, what do I feel like I need more of today? Or how is my body physically feeling? Like, do I need more energy? Is my immune system feeling off? Do I feel like I have a cough, right? So it's like, as you learn what the herbs can do for your body and how your body responds, um, you kind of are just like, I don't need anything today or I need this. So I think it's, it's also, I think really nice for that. Exactly. Oh my gosh. We could go on for hours. <laughs> I am so glad that you came on. So before we sign off, are there any words of wisdom you would like to leave the listeners? Hmm, about health or life or what? Anything, whatever your heart desires, any words of wisdom. I am a really big proponent of doing less and what I call health subtraction, right? So people think it's always about adding another supplement adding another step to your skincare, adding one more biohack, whatever it is. And I'm like, where in your life can you do less, right? Like take away something, take a break, work in vitamin R, like rest and relaxation and understand that you will never be able to biohack your way out of the basics and the foundational stuff. So like the idea of just keep being boring with your health. I know it's not sexy, but it works. And try and see where you can just kind of take a step back and yeah, like remove some things, which can mean also like removing pressure on yourself to be perfect. And, you know, I missed a supplement, so now I'm bad, or I took a Tylenol, so I'm a terrible person. And it's like, dude, it's all about your health averages, right? So I think always having that big picture mentality and life is meant to be lived at the end of the day. So if the thing that you're doing is stressing you out more than the perceived benefit, then I would really take a beat and take a step back and assess, is this actually aligned with me? And is this actually serving me and getting me closer to my health goal? Mm, Love that. Those were great words of wisdom. Thank you. Thanks. thanks. I, I ask. That's usually a question I always ask too, because I always joke and I say advice is a form of nostalgia. So a lot of times it's like, what did I want to hear? Yeah, absolutely. And same with me. Like, honestly, this is why I started the podcast to have people on like you and um, all these other professionals and cancer survivors, like people who have like gone through it yeah. and they've been able to navigate and really have taken away just these gems to share with other people. Yeah, no, I love it. It is a really great way to connect and connect with people in ways that you never thought that you would either. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like if I didn't have this podcast, yes, I would hit you up on Instagram, but it just like totally is, was just so fitting to have you on. I was like, yes, I'm so excited to interview her. (laughs) I would definitely love to have you on the podcast to hear about your cancer journey. And I'm sure I can't even imagine like, you know, the options that you were probably presented and the, you know, what goes through your mind and then trying to integrate, you know, I'm sure Western stuff, holistic stuff and the aftermath of ongoing. I mean, I have lots of questions already. So we're going to have to schedule it. (laughs) We are going to have to schedule this. (laughs) For sure. Thank you so, so much for coming on. So where can people find you? I live mostly on Instagram. So my handle is at Brianna Diorio. I also have my podcast, which is the Brianna Approved Podcast, which is on all of your favorite streaming platforms. And then I would say my website as well. So BriannaDiorio.com is where, um, you know, I have past articles that I've written and podcast episodes, and that's kind of my central hub. But basically just Google Brianna Diorio and all my things will pop up. I try to keep it pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. And her content on Instagram is 10 out of 10. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right, guys, if you like this episode, like, share, subscribe, and I will see you in the next one. Bye.